And then just a reminder, on October 8th, we will not be here. <laughs> we will be at a park about five minutes down the road, um, Mayor Park. We will be having a fellowship at the park um, starting at 1030, and we hope to see you all there. Yeah. yeah. So we thank you. Oh, <laughs> I was saying, so thank you for joining us. And now with the word will be our amazing Pastor Roland. All right, thank you, Chris. And Yessie, don't they look good up here? I just feel like they, they fit and they belong. And uh, what are you guys doing next Sunday? All right. <laughs> well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Every Nation Church, Las Vegas. So glad you chose to worship with us. We know there's a lot of outstanding places to worship in this valley. Uh, and you chose to be here with us. So we feel very privileged. Uh, for the rest of you who are family, we just love you so much. And you know that. So um, good to see you. Um, let's jump right in. Um, well, you know what? Before, just to plant a seed, uh, in January we have a, our ENC Youth Conference coming up. You're going to start hearing more information. College. ENC College. What did I say? Oh, ENC Youth. ENC Campus. There you go. Uh, thank you, Pastor Matt. Uh, that's coming up in January in Orlando, Florida at Disney World. Just saying. Um, so you guys are going to hear more about that church. You will have opportunities to be able to bless our students and help them get there. So we're looking forward to that. Anyway, how many of you are ready to hear from the word of God today? All right, all right. Okay, so there was a, a gentleman. By now, you probably know I love biographies, okay? And I love to just uh, research and hear about people and read about people and their lives. There's a gentleman by the name of John Newton who was by his own admission a racist. He was prejudiced. He was so driven by his own prejudice that from 1745 to 1754, he ran a business as a slave trader. He sold West Africans as slaves, all while believing in God. How many know we can believe in God and still believe in other things that aren't quite so right? Newton began reading a book called The Imitation of Christ. Some of you know this book, written by Thomas Akempis. He was convicted by the book, and this led him to give his life to Christ and was completely, completely transformed. He stopped selling slaves. He became a leader in the church and became a songwriter. He's responsible for over 300 hymns. So God completely transformed his life uh, and grafted him uh, into church. Uh, where he began to uh, walk in his real calling. So now we all understand that prejudice is a, it's a terrible thing. Uh, we've seen it all throughout history in every part of the world, and we know that it still takes place today, don't we? It's probably not too far-fetched to say that even ourselves at some point in our lives have participated in prejudging a person or a group of people. It may not have been motivated by race, Pre, uh, prejudice means to pre, uh, prejudge, excuse me. It means to prejudge. And so maybe it wasn't racially motivated. Maybe it was an action or a statement against someone older than you. Or maybe someone younger than you. And, you know, because you know how that generation is. You ever heard that before? And maybe it was against someone in a different tax bracket than you, and you knew because they were. Uh, economically challenged, it was obvious when uh, maybe they took the public transit. Or maybe it was against someone from a different political stance. Uh-oh. Do I dare go there? 
God does. Because, well, you know how they think. You know how they vote. I mean, they got or did not get the vaccination. How many know what I'm talking about? And so prejudice is a lot more common than we would care to admit. We're living in a time of great division. And division has caused many conflicts, and the world is looking for answers. The world has always been looking for answers. And it's always been that way. Even as far back as the first century when the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Ephesians that we're going to look into today. So if you are reading from a tablet or from your Bible or from uh, something, uh, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 2. But even when I'm talking about the things that we experience today, it was exactly the same going on back then when Paul wrote the book of Ephesians. It was in a world that was damaged by cultural, national, and racial instability. Romans looked down on anyone who wasn't a Roman citizen. Greeks looked down on anyone who didn't speak Greek or philosophize the way they did. And in the same way, the Jewish people didn't respect anyone unless they themselves were also Jewish. And so these dividing walls were huge problems, and the answer to all of that was the gospel. The answer to all of those problems back then and the ones, the very same ones that we're experiencing today, we're experiencing today is the gospel. And because in the midst of all that division and animosity and prejudice, the church was born. The church was born. And guess who was caught up in the church? It was Jews and Greeks and Romans, and Arabs, and young, and old, and men, and women. How many know where I'm going with this? And it's not like Jesus came and said, now let's celebrate all the different expressions of culture and of ethnicity. He didn't say that. He said, no, no, no. How about we get rid of the walls that divide everybody? And with that, Jesus began to build a brand new community. Jesus said, I will build my church and it will be a whole new group, a whole new community, a whole new family, which is what we've been talking about the last few weeks in this current sermon series we call Family Life. We've talked about marriage. How many enjoyed the marriage series? How many learned something in that? Okay, and the husbands and wives said, oof. Okay, and then we talked about singleness and all my single people said... I'm still praying. And then we talked about parenting and raising the next generation. We've, we've kind of covered everything. And so we are putting a cap on this series by talking about the family of God and church family and what that is supposed to look like. And here we are. We've talked about cultures, talked about ethnicities. Sitting here, we're different backgrounds, we're different ages, different generations, and we're all here for one reason, which makes it all possible, and that's Jesus. You realize this is not supposed to work. It's not supposed to work, and in a lot of places, it doesn't. There's always something else in place that drives the that drives the unity, so to speak. Sometimes it's a pseudo-unity. If you're working together and you're getting a paycheck, you're going to play by the rules, aren't you? 
Uh, in the military is another place where I see um, lots of cultures and ethnicities, and it works. And the reason why is because they base it on a military culture, not your own. And so when we come together as a church, it's the same. We, we base it on a kingdom culture and not our own. And we're going to get into this. Follow me to the book of Ephesians. We're going to read, we're going to begin in chapter 2, verse 19 through 22. Here's what it says. It says, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Lord, I just ask you for your help today. Lord, help us uh, not just to understand, but Lord, help us to apply Holy Spirit, empower us to be your people, to be your church, to be your family. In Jesus' name, if you agree, say amen. All right, so here's the context of this scripture. I'm gonna make this really quick. Paul is reminding them of three things, who they were, what Jesus did, and who they have become. And today I want to quickly look back at chapter two. Uh, Throughout chapter two, we'll probably jump around. And I want to highlight three miraculous changes that took place that transformed them and us because we go through the same changes into God's people and eventually into a family. Here's the first one. We were once dead and now we're alive. And this is the starting point. You can't get to points two and three unless you understand this first point. And so this is the big picture. The beginning of Ephesians 2 is Paul's, uh, his kind of assessment. And he's giving us uh, an honest appraisal of our lives. And so he pulls no punches as he reminds us where we came from. We won't turn there, but the very first verse in chapter 2, Paul, in your trespass and in your sin. When we were born, we arrived DOA, spiritually dead on arrival. You know, in the medical field, now I'm no doctor, although people sometimes think I am, but there's a term they call a vegetable state. If you're familiar with that, what that basically means is your body is living, but your mind and your brain is not. There is no response, but your organs are still going, your blood is still pumping, your lungs are still breathing, and it's called a vegetative state. And so that tells us that you can be alive in some ways, but dead in others. And it's the same with us. We can be alive physically, but dead spiritually. We're coming up on Halloween, and you guys didn't realize you were a part of the walking dead. We showed up, and we function and we walked and we talked and and we were spiritually dead it's because we were born into sin and here's the thing it's not even because of our own sin the bible says we were born into sin because someone else sinned before us and so adam was kind of the representative for humankind say thanks adam because of what he did now we are born into this system and this world of sin. So let me explain 
sin and trespass. So sin, putting it kind of in a child, uh, childlike situation, if you have a small child, they don't know everything, right? And so there's maybe something that they aren't supposed to touch and they'll walk over and they touch it and we go, hey, don't touch that, right? That's sin. They didn't know, but they did it and it's still wrong. That's sin, okay? They were kind of ignorant about it. And so a lot of us are ignorant about this sin, sin nature and the sin world that we live in. And so we can't really blame Adam because if he didn't eat the fruit, then you and I probably would have. You know what I'm saying? And so that's where the trespass comes in. So a trespass is this. When you tell the kid, hey, don't touch that, and they're looking at you going, don't you better not. That's a trespass. Trespass means to cross a boundary you're not supposed to go across. And so the Bible talks about sin and it talks about trespass and we have done both. We have done both. So maybe you're saying this isn't my problem. I'm not the one who sinned. It doesn't matter. We are, we are wired to sin. We are, we are great sinners. We are, we are professional sinners. Matter of fact, I probably sin better than you. Because that is the way, that's just the way we are, right? That's our human nature. That's our flesh. And so both ways, here's the, the sum all of the, the picture of, of sin and trespass. And it's this, that we fall short every single time. Sin min, means to miss the mark. And so if you have a bunch of bullets in a gun and you fire, you fire away, and let's say nine of them miss but one of them hits the bullseye, you're still imperfect. Or let's say you hit it nine times and you miss one, you're still imperfect. Or let's say you hit them all and the Bible says your righteousness compared to God is still like filthy rags. We fall short. And this is why we gotta get this first part right. And that's that we were dead. Spiritually Dead. But here's what Ephesians 2 verse 4 and 5 says. That Jesus had to do something about it. Now imagine how much he loves us. I was saying this last week. Because we, no one understand how much God hates sin, don't we? He absolutely hates it. And so God is sitting up in heaven going, man, look at all that sin. I can't stand it and I hate it. Where we think he would be mad, he goes, I can't stand it. I have to do something about it. Rather than being mad and punishing you and condemning you, he sends his son who gets up and dusts himself off and says, I'll go. I'll handle this. I'll take care of this. I understand. And he shows up. Here's Ephesians 2, 4, and 5. But God being rich in mercy, you might be saying, why did God do this? This verse answers those questions. God being rich in mercy... Reason number one, because he's merciful. That means he holds back what we really deserve. You realize if, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm, I'm very appreciative of where God has brought me and what he's done in my life and that I get to go to heaven and I get to represent him. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for all of that. But you realize if God said, you know what? I changed my mind. I take it all back. I couldn't even say, God, that's not fair because I still deserve 
But because of his mercy, say mercy. Because of his mercy, rich in mercy, and because of the great love which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Because of what Jesus did, he made us alive in him. So first change is we were once dead and now we're alive. Secondly, we were separated, but now we're included. Moving forward to verse 12 and 13 in the same chapter. It says, remember that you were at the time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near only by the blood of Christ. Not by all the times you knelt down to pray, not because all the times you felt like you sacrificed. Sometimes we show up to church like, God, I came a long way. I came from all the way across the valley to get here as if God owes us something. And that's not the case. Because of the blood and only because of the blood we have been brought near to Christ. Now some of you, you here might possibly have some, some Jewish heritage. Anybody? Anybody have uh, maybe some Jewish blood? Just, uh, just Chris? Mi hermano, you have a... Uh, uh, 5%, come on, real. Dude, I was like joking, but oh man, okay. All right, we'll take that. <laughs> but you're not orthodox. Okay, just making sure. Okay, okay. So then I'm speaking generally to a crowd that is not uh, uh, from a Jewish background, correct? There might be some, but okay, but you don't... Maybe don't necessarily practice. Okay, that's what I'm talking about. So majority of us here are what the Jews and the Bible call Gentiles. Okay? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're everybody else. So the Jewish people divided people into two groups, uh, us and everybody else. And so we are, we are everybody, everybody else. Okay? And so the Jewish word for Gentile is goy. The plural form is goyin, and it literally means the nations. It literally means the nations. Jewish people, um, it, it's, it's funny, as we're talking about um, uh, cultures, right? It's easy for us to operate in our own cultures, but the moment we step outside of our cultures, it gets a little bit strange, doesn't it? And so we start to kind of look for our people, don't we? You know, you get to a group, you're like texting, where are you at? Can you meet me at the front? I don't know anybody, right? And so this is kind of what the church was feeling back then. And so Paul mentioned several times that there are many advantages to being Jewish, in Romans 9, we won't turn there, Paul said that the Jews were God's special people. This is the exact language you can read in the Bible. God's special children. Um, regarding the Jewish people, God revealed his glory to them. Uh, he made covenants with them. They worshiped uh, in the temple for them. God gave them the scriptures uh, the patriarchs, the temple, he gave them the priesthood, and God promised even to give the Messiah eventually. 
Okay, and that was the Jewish people. That's, that's pretty special, right? Um, for us, on the other hand, we had none of these. And so that's part of this message is that if Jesus was saying that even some of his people are lost, how much more us? Because they had a head start. They had hints. They had history. And then you come over to where we are and we had absolutely nothing. I remember talking to a guy probably about two years ago and I was inviting him to this church and he was like, yeah, I've heard of church before. And I was like, wow. Like he really didn't know, like he was clueless. He was like, church, question mark. And so for those of us who didn't have this background, we were, if they were lost, we were really, really, really lost, is what it's saying. And instead of the Jewish people who had all this privilege, who had all this built into their heritage, rather than using that to bring people closer to them and closer to God, they used it as a, as a dividing piece, if that makes sense. And um, a year and a half ago, when I had the privilege of going to Israel, uh, that was something that was really, really, really um, observed and felt. And so being on the airplane, there's one main flight that goes from uh, New Jersey, and it's a direct flight to, to Israel. I think it was like a 13, 14 hour flight. And so there was um, uh, a lot of uh, Jewish people on the airplane. And so I was able to speak to some. And although very respectful, we can, we can tell we were being respectful of each other, but the boundaries were definitely, definitely there. And so instead of using their God-given position to attract Gentile outsiders, it was a reason to not join them. You know, when I was younger, we would play uh, team games at the park, right? Or maybe in the field or... How many have ever played like pick up basketball or pick up, you know, backyard football, right? And so you have to pick teams, right? And the way you pick teams is you pick two captains. And your prayer, if you're not a captain, is please don't pick me last. One of my best friends today, super cool now, but back then was the goofiest, dorkiest guy and he would always beg me please don't pick me last and I'd be like ah, okay <laughs> and out of our friendship and my faithfulness to that I would I would choose him like second to last because <laughs> he wasn't athletic <laughs> how many know being excluded never feels good being included always feels good. Ephesians 2, 19, let me repeat this. We've already read it. It says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. We're talking about God's family now. The last change that we experience through God is that we were once foreigners but now we're family. 
We were once foreigners, but we're now family. And this was Jesus' plan all along. From the very beginning, even when he was still walking the earth with the disciples, here's what he said in John chapter 10, verse 15 and 16. Uh, the verse is not there. I'm just gonna read it to you guys. It says, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Verse 16, listen to this. And I have other sheep, say other sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and there will be one shepherd. There's a lot more to this verse that we just don't have time to get into today. But you can already feel God's heart. You can already feel where Jesus is going with this. This verse includes the Jewish people and it includes everybody else. And Jesus' heart is that the church, not just every nation, Las Vegas, not just every nation global, but God's church, universal Catholic church as a whole. That's what that word means, Catholic, not the Roman Catholic. Don't get it mixed up. But his universal worldwide church, regardless of denomination, regardless of expression, including the lost who aren't even a part of that fold, he wants us all to be one. And he was so serious about it that he gave his life for it. He put his life on it so that we can have that. Jesus never wanted to keep this a Jewish thing. He always wanted to include everyone. A few months ago, we had a evangelistic series. And in one of the series we read in Luke... Um, where Jesus said, you know what? I prepare a banquet. And he says, go out as far as you can go to the highways and to the hedges. Go that far and compel them to come in. That's how far he's willing to go. Jesus is for Jew. He's for Gentile. He's for black. He's for white. He's for Spanish. He's for African, he's for European, he's for Latino, he's for, you just keep going. Male, for female, for young, for old. That's God's heart. And that's God's vision for his family. Now, for those of you who are leaders, you've seen this before and you've even heard this story before. Uh, but I don't mind telling it because it has shaped me so much. For the rest of you, I'm about to give you a glimpse into my family background. Cheryl, can you show the first picture? Okay, so just a hint, the little kid picking his nose on the left is me. In the middle is my mom. Behind me are my two brothers, or behind my mom and my two brothers and my two sisters. You can tell I look a little bit different than them. Absent is the father who I grew up with, not my biological father, because he's taking the picture. Okay, go to the next picture. This is the father I grew up with um, from Monroe, Louisiana, eventually moved up to Chicago, 
So I was, for lack of better words, it even feels weird for me to say it, but I was kind of adopted by him because I wasn't his blood son. And I was the youngest. I wasn't supposed to happen. Uh, My mom um, at one point was trying to get out of this relationship uh, and she met a Panamanian dude in Panama. She said he talked really smooth and so she just kind of fell in love with him. And so, and that's where I came from, okay? All right, that's the short story. But eventually, my mom and this dad divorced. Up until I was about 11 years old, I actually had no idea that I wasn't black. Real. And so up until I was like 10 years old, I would tell people, I'm half Filipino and half black. And people would go. (laughs) But I belong to this family so much so that when my biological mom and this dad divorced, I went with him. Over my biological mom. That's how close we were. Never once did I talk about or he talk about uh, I was a stepson or he was my stepdad. Never. Not a single time. Not even in my family. Okay. Uh, and so this is me being the best man as, at his next uh, marriage. Uh, and then go to the final picture. And of course, this is me at the wedding with my dad and two of my brothers. If you're confused, raise your hand. Okay. No, okay. Just all right. <laughs> All right, let me, let me, let me continue here. Um, because of my background, guys, there has been this overwhelming, insatiable desire to be a expressive, multi-ethnic church. And what I've realized is that's not my vision. That's God's vision. And I want to say something, I want to qualify something today that, um, that I, I hope doesn't come out wrong in any way because it's really an honoring thing that I, that I want to do here. But if you were here, let's say between 2015 to like 2018, 2019 as a part of this church, would you raise your hand? Okay, raise them high. Okay. All right. Now I'm going to ask you to do me Uh, One more favor. That includes you two in the back. Okay. Can you guys stand up? Would you stand up for me? Okay. I just want to say this. This church has been through a lot. And these guys who are standing were the ones who carried us through. Because of their commitment because of their grit and toughness and because of their love for the Lord, they came through. And because they did, we have the rest of you. We have the rest of you. Now, I want you to look around. For those of you standing, kind of just kind of model and look around so everybody can see you. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. One. (laughs) Now, one thing you may notice about us is we all look the same. We're Islanders, Filipino-ish, kind of, 
Hawaiian Guamishese. We all look the same. And you know, we could have chose the easy route. And we could have continued to build a church that looked like us. And we could have took it to the stratosphere. To be honest with you. But because God dropped this in our hearts. And we began to say every Sunday, every nation is mission-driven, multi-ethnic, and multi-generational. We are becoming the church who I feel like God wants us to be here in Las Vegas. And it's led by these people who I love who are not from here. These guys are islanders and Hawaiians. Chris and Yessi are our honorary adoptees. Because they do the all-you-can-eat sushi. <laughs> and they've learned where the best ramen places are. But they're Latino. And they have a heart for their family. And they have a heart for their people. And if you're not Filipino, Hawaiian, Latino, if that's you, would you raise your hand? Just curious. All right, okay. Look around, guys. Okay, we are starting to look different. And it is on purpose. And again, there's some who aren't here standing because they're serving or they can't be here today. And it's because of them and their commitment that this church is becoming what it is. So can we give them a hand one more time? Cheryl, can you show that last picture? In my house is a sign that sits above my pantry. And we have one of those houses where the living room, kitchen, dining, everything is one. It's, it's, it's open concept. All right? And so from every room you can see this. And here's what it says. This was custom made. Because they didn't sell it. We had to have this made. Because this is a message that rings true in our heart. It says, family isn't always blood. It's the people in your life who want you in theirs. The ones who accept you for who you are the ones who would do anything to see you smile and who love you no matter what. I believe, guys, if we lead with the same passion that Jesus has for his lost sheep, that he says, I want a shepherd. I want us to be one fold and I want to be the shepherd. And if we will lead with that same passion, I believe we will become the church in Las Vegas that reflects God's heart. That's the family he wants. Let me go back to uh, John Newton. DJ, if I can have you uh, and I don't know, maybe the music team, I don't know. Your call. This gentleman named John Newton that we started off with in the beginning said that he was responsible for over 300 hymns. But he's most known for a hymn called Amazing Grace. And so you might know the lyrics. It says, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. When he wrote that song, that word wretch was specifically put. 
It wasn't, didn't sound pretty and sound like it would fit in the song. So us songwriters sometimes do that. Oh, this word sounds better. No, he chose that word because he believed he was. After all, he would sell lives into slavery. And God saved him and radically, radically changed him. And so here's what John Newton said on his deathbed. As he was getting older, on his deathbed, he said, although my memory's fading, I remember two things very clearly. I'm a great sinner and Christ is a great savior. And I think if we remember those two things, that is a recipe for spiritual success. Realizing that we are great sinners. We, are, we just are. But that we have a great savior who saves us. And he brings us in. Amen. Can we stand up to our feet? I just want to do something. Just a view of this. And then, uh, and then I'll pray right after. But just to remind ourselves where we've really come from. From death, guys. From having nothing. To now being so close to God and having everything that we need in him. You know, that's what a, uh, a lot of the epistles were about. In Ephesians especially, it was Paul saying, reminding God's people. He started off in chapter 1 by saying, you have everything you need. Every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. And he was reminding. And then in chapter 2, he reminded us, but this is where we came from, guys. We were lost and we were wretched. And only because of Christ's blood. And only because of his mercy and only because of his grace do we get to have what we have, which is not just life with life for us to have life, not just for us to have life with him, but for us to have life with him together. That is the family of God. So can we sing this song just to remind us where we've come from? but where we are now, but mostly how great our God is. We're going to sing this old hymn called Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace How sweet the sound That saved a wretch like me Sing another part, it's easy. Praise God over and over. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Okay, help me. Praise God. One more time. Praise God. Yes. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Thank you, God. Father, we thank you. 
Lord, for what you've done. Not only is your grace amazing, God, you're amazing. And you're so good. And we can only have what we have because of who you are and because of what you've done. Lord, thank you, you love us. Thank you for your mercy upon us. Thank you for your grace offered to us. Lord, I pray that all of us here, your people, your church, would not squander what we have. Help us be your people. Help us be your church. Help us to be the family that you've called us to be. Lord, I pray that we would leave here today, Father, that we go into our homes. Father, that we go into our workplaces. Father, that we go into the businesses that we frequent. Lord, that we go to the hedges and the highways. Father, to get this message across that there's a great God who loves you and has done everything for you. Would you come and see? Would you come and see? And if by chance you're here today and you're not walking with God, or maybe you did at one time and maybe you're not as close as you used to be, just bow your heads, nobody looking around. We're going to all pray together, but uh, just so that we know or I know who I'm praying with, if that's you and you want to get your heart right with God today, with nobody looking around, just would you raise your hand? Is that anybody here? God bless you. Anybody else? God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Thank you, Lord. God bless you. I see that hand. Let's say this all together. Jesus, thank you for giving me life. By giving yours, I want to receive you today. I admit I was a wretch. I was the worst sinner. But I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that you died for me, that you spilled your blood for me, and that your blood is enough to cleanse me and to change me. Make me a new person today. And I thank you again for who you are and for who I am, the family of God. Thank you for including me. I found the place where I belong. I love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can we shout to God today?